the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the college basketball betting preview. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, BJ Cunningham, Mike Calabrese. Got a lot to get to today, and we'll talk some spots we have circled for tonight and Tuesday, and, of course, some swag and talk as we do around these parts. Mike, how goes it? It's going pretty good. An exciting weekend for, you know, top 25 matchups. You know, some some big teams go down, some games, you know, go to overtime. That Sunday game between Wichita and, and Houston was absolutely electric. I think that got the juices flowing a little bit for some true March madness. Um, I also went axe throwing on Saturday. Nobody got hurt, maimed, anything like that. So I'm viewing it all in a positive spin right now. And a lot of people, you know, on Twitter bemoaning the fact that, you know, no football yesterday. I'm fine. I'm locked in for college basketball the rest of the way. So I'm in a good spot. I've never actually been axe throwing. Uh, by the way, I'm in Aruba. I, I wasn't picking enough winners. I said, I said this on Twitter in the Republic. So I went to the Kingdom of Netherlands and hopefully changed my luck. And so if I sound different, apologies. Um, I've never been axe throwing. Harder or easier than you thought? Easier than I thought. And I think it helped the fact that we were in a large group and there was a pregnant woman and she went right up and hit a bullseye. And it's like, all right, the gauntlet's been thrown down. You, you got to do better than a pregnant woman gingerly throwing an axe. So it was a little bit easier than I thought. And it's fun, too, because it's not just like a game of darts. You can play like different versions in blackjack and around the world. So they have it. They have it set up in a way that's pretty fun. PJ, how are you? How was your weekend? Wonderful. You know, obviously first weekend without football, but what better way to get the juices flowing than Juwan Howard trying to punch a coach? I mean, that was incredible scenes there in Madison. And it's, I mean, it's obviously not the first time Juwan Howard has uh, gotten in those type of altercations, but it's going to be very interesting if those two teams meet each other in the Big Ten tournament. I really hope they do. That'd be really, really fun uh, and really funny to watch. But yeah, great weekend. We're in the stretch run. Uh, I think this is the last upcoming last weekend, full slate of college basketball before conference tournament starts. So it's uh, it's crunch time. Yeah. So I, I mentioned that I was away. So I saw the game, but wasn't didn't have volume. From what I understand, and that was going to be my one big takeaway, like I need Texas, Texas Tech again to play in the Big 12 tournament. I need Michigan and Wisconsin to play in the Big 10 tournament. So there's some like developing great rivalries that we could see. Uh, meet again in the conference tournaments. So what happened? Michigan was pressing, but they called a timeout, and then Wisconsin called a timeout. What was he mad? Yeah, so Michigan pressed, like they trapped Wisconsin, and they called a timeout. And Juwan Howard got really upset about that. And for whatever reason, like Greg Wait, Gard- Juwan Howard got upset that he called a timeout? Yeah, and so Greg Yeah, Gard- so, so, yeah. Greg essentially they had put the backups in. You know, yeah. having the backups in is what – Wisconsin was saying the game is over. We can all agree the game's over. Then Michigan goes full court press. They actually get in a spot where they're going to get a 10 second call. They call timeout. That seems all above board to me because I have no problem with somebody like getting into an altercation or fight. Like it's an awful look, but at the end I'm evaluating it. Like, did you have real beef or not? And he clearly didn't. So the fact that he's like throwing hands for that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we'll see if any I think it's a great look for college basketball. I think it gets the juices flowing, gets people talking. I mean, 
What what be, honestly? What better way to get college basketball in the headlines at first after the uh, the last NFL Sunday than Juwan Howard trying to punch a coach? And well, what better yeah, way? Yeah, the Wisconsin coaches also are not to blame as well because you saw uh, the one guy uh, gave Juwan Howard a a you can look it up on Twitter, but a a certain symbol that would piss off pretty much any uh, grown man. Mike, anything to add? I mean, we're a uh, half step away from St. Joe's legend, Phil Martelli being the head coach of Michigan yeah. here down the stretch. So I'm looking at it. Like I said, everything's throwing positive spin. If he ends up coaching down the stretch, maybe this gets him interested again in being a, a leading man. It's been a great retirement job for him. I'm actually happy for Phil. I think it's been a, a cool ride that he's been on being on the bench uh, with, with Howard and the Michigan staff. But yeah, I, I think also one finer point. It wasn't a punch. It was like a slap. And then some people on Twitter were saying it's a smush or something. I'm not exactly sure what that means. It looks like he raked his face a little bit. But I'm just looking for the accuracy. I wouldn't call it a punch because I would definitely need connection. And his hand came wide open at one point. I'll yeah, save well, him a couple this, games. Who was we had? Who was Juan Howard going going at it against uh, last uh, year? Maryland. It was it was uh, um, Turgeon. 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 Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Let's just. I'm just thankful that. They, it never came to blows because I, Juwan Howard versus Mark Turgeon. Look, Turgeon could hold his own a little bit, but he's a little older. Mark uh, Juwan Howard versus Greg Gard did not end well for Greg Gard. So uh, yeah. I'm just happy they ever got between. But speaking of juices flowing, we get that matchup like at 12 o'clock on like the Friday of the Big Ten tournament. Oh man, that that'll that's one way to kick off the day. Uh, so my my takeaway from the weekend was just. That and Texas, Texas Tech. And by the way, when I bet on Texas at home, I was expecting Texas to have a home game. Um, wow. I yeah. know Texas Tech fans travel, but they overtook that building. That was some atmosphere. Felt like, like a regional final when just like 50-50 crowd split. But Mike, I'll go to you. One takeaway from the weekend or week that was uh, high level or just on any single game? Just high level. Um, I basically saw what I needed to from a Gonzaga team that's, you know, they're they're the favorite right now, I guess you could argue, in terms of winning the national championship. But I don't think anyone's approaching it with like increased confidence or feeling that they are an airtight team to even make the final four. What they need is Nebhard and Bolden to give them exactly what they did on Saturday night, which was a down game from homegrown. He only scores 10 points, one for five from three. Nebhard was just locked in, scores 20 plus. Bolden also making a handful of threes. That's what they need. And that's clearly what's missing from last year's team, not having Suggs and not having the ability to get 20 or 30 from a single player, you know, on the wing. So seeing that I think was encouraging. And also for a lot of you know fans who like to rag on Gonzaga, it's like you know you're playing in high school gyms, you're playing against lousy teams. They're not playing against lousy teams. The WCC is a lot better this year. I think you can make an argument top to bottom. This is one of the best you know West Coast Conference you know collections of teams maybe in the last ten years. And beating Santa Clara, I know they're a 23 point favorite. They still win by double digits. They're kind of on cruise control in the second half. So I like what I saw from Gonzaga. And then rant wise, I have to throw this out there real quick. Cue up the Walter White, Jesse Pinkman. He can't keep getting away from its situation. He can't keep getting away with it. He can't keep getting away with it. He won't. The number one team in luck, according to Ken Palm, 
Providence. They're down, what, 15 in the second half? 17. To, to 17 to Butler. They go ahead and win in overtime. And the second team ranked in luck, UNC Wilmington, down nine with 4.45 to go. They get it to overtime. They win by one. That one I actually sprinkled on the money line on James Madison. They, these guys can't keep getting away with this. And I, I want to play devil's advocate for Providence and be a little bit more in their camp because everyone's piling on. But this is just getting ridiculous at this point. I know BJ and I were talking about this before we hopped on the, the, the podcast. Providence started one of 19 from the field against Butler and somehow still came back. Oh my God. It's crazy. Yeah. I missed a winner there. I was going to have Butler Hodges play, but I was traveling and then I didn't know if Hodges was for sure in. And then I was up in the air. Um, But yeah, insane comeback there. Um, My rant, by the way, and then I'll get to you, BJ, uh, West Virginia. Look, I understand you can't make layups. I understand it. I've come to, I I have accepted that you will not make wide open layups all year. That's fine. You're D1 players that don't make layups. It's okay. I can adjust my numbers for that. Uh, I I was thinking that you were getting unlucky in layups. But make your free throws. They missed three straight front ends. This is the one thing I can count on West Virginia for. You can't count on them for many things. But I can count on them that they're close to an 80% free throw shooting team in league play. They have great free throw shooters. Three straight front ends in a four-point game is insane swing. Like, you're basically giving up five, 4.8 points. Um, and then just the crowd gets out of it and Kansas blows the game open then. So I get, you can't make layups, but make the free throws. God, that team's going to drive me up a wall this year. BJ high take a high level takeaway and or rant if you got one. Yeah. The biggest, uh, takeaway I had is I'm very interested to see how Oregon ends their season. A really good, really, really good game against Arizona. Arizona shot almost 50% from three point range and they still only lost by three. Oregon closes out their season at home against UCLA and USC, and they are right on the bubble if you look at bracket matrix. So two huge games for Oregon and a team we've been talking about quite a bit that can be very dangerous as a 12 or 11 seed come March. So I'm very, very interested to see how they play down the stretch because that's well, hopefully they get a shot off down three from three. At <laughs> hopefully the end there was the a, there was a couple this weekend that were just really, really bad. Uh like Auburn at the last second yep. was also terrible. Just some really, really bad late clock, just brain farts by some teams. But uh well, what happened a lot of times what happens is these teams are so insistent on like we're getting the last shot. And then mm-hmm. you and co- you see this all the time in college. So I get it, but you end up with like the worst shot possible with no chance. I get yeah, it looks cool that one time that you make the fadeaway three, it ISOed up and that with one second left. But how many times do we see that? There's so many things can happen if you're, you know, you if you're down two, you go to the bucket, you get an offensive rebound, uh, you know, but if you're down three there, try to get a, a good look from three. I just uh, dribbling out until like the, the last possible second usually ends poorly. And it yeah, happens the, all the time in college. The Auburn one, they had a they had a really good look from three for like four seconds left. And Florida really just was trying so hard to give that game away. Yeah. Uh, and for whatever reason, they passed it up and tried to throw it inside. But uh, uh, my one big rant is uh, it's almost just like a rant against myself, how stupid I am. Uh, Virginia Tech. Okay, we're here for that. Yeah, <laughs> I know everybody's here for that. Um, Virginia Tech, like, do you want to make the tournament? Like, do you even care about down the stretch? Because – you had a home game against North Carolina as five point favorites and a really good opportunity to get a really huge bubble win. And you lay a massive egg at home against North Carolina. And I, and this is something that I, I, I struggle with is that when I put a team in the graveyard, I can't just keep them there because, you know, last week, Virginia tech beat Virginia. And I was like, Oh, I kind of like them there, but you know what? This team has just tortured me too much. I can't do it. And then I'm like, oh, you know what? It's they they can they can do it this one time, right? And everything. Nope, they can't. So it's 
a good lesson to myself that if a team's in the graveyard, keep them there. Don't dig them up. Just leave them there dead for the rest of the season. All right. Well, I think that's a good transition into Monday's card. <laughs> Sounds like a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Monday, Monday. So good to me. The weekend's over. Let's break down Big Monday. I'll kick things off since uh, I'm going to transition for what you just said with North Carolina. North Carolina picks up a big win, right? They you were they were on the bubble. They could have played themselves off the tournament, and then they get that win at Virginia Tech. That'll go a long way in solidifying solidifying their tournament spot, assuming they don't just completely collapse. They're laying ten tonight at home against Louisville, and I'm backing Louisville here for a couple of reasons, right? I think, look, North Carolina has had some absolutely spectacular performances at home this year. They are clearly a much better team at home, but I think just more than that, they've been inconsistent um, across the board. It's not a – it's a young team. I mean, they lost a pit by nine at home the other night. Um, So – I, I like this spot for Louisville. North Carolina could come out a little, little flat here against Louisville, but so I think Louisville figured something out. They had team chemistry issues going on, and you know, obviously they have a new coach. Malik Williams was just, I think, he was cancerous throughout. He wasn't even getting into. He was their best player. He wasn't even getting into the game. He didn't play versus Miami. Right? He got suspended. He came back. Word was, all right, everything's better now. Then he doesn't play versus Miami. Well, last game he plays. The entire game, they end their losing streak. He has he plays 25 minutes. He was the best player on the court for them. And then all of the quotes after, which has not happened all season for Louisville. Like Malik Williams was smiling. Um, he here's a quote from him. He said, We needed this. We're still a team, and we've just been through a lot more than other teams have. We didn't deal with some things maybe the right way, but we want to finish strong and we want to get back to Louisville basketball. Look, that's the most you just the words you'll, that sounds like coach speak, but they haven't been saying any of that all year. And you could see it on the court. They played North Carolina a few weeks back. We're catching three. Sorry, BJ, to bring this up. Um, so I know you were on them. Okay. It's, um, it's, re, it's the revenge, revenge angle. Well, maybe the, maybe the ACC has some heart and sends the refs, the officials that were clearly <laughs> on UNC side. I doubt we'll get that uh, at North Carolina, but the refs completely robbed Louisville of that game. One of the worst officiated games I've seen all season. And I had no money on it. And Malik Williams didn't play that game and I think he's enormous inside right I mean North Carolina great on the offensive glass Malik Williams when healthy is a top 20 defensive rebounder in the country and you have him and his defense against Baycott inside Uh, so I think that this line is inflated this is this is I think would be a good line if this was Louisville like of two weeks ago when they were just incomplete, couldn't back them. Their body language was awful. Malik Williams wasn't playing at all. And you have no idea where they were. But I think coming off that win with some revenge here of that from that overtime game, maybe UNC comes out a little flat after that huge win at Virginia Tech. I think double digits is too much here. So it's scary because North Carolina could go nuclear at home at any point in time. But I'm going to back the Cardinals. Uh, Mike, well, BJ, I'll go to you first because maybe you have thoughts on that game from North Carolina and uh, in particular, but uh, any thoughts there? And then where are you going to look tonight? Oh yeah. I love Louisville and their revenge angle spot. I mean, it, like you said, they really found something against Clemson and really that's what we've been waiting for because I actually was looking at Louisville on Saturday and I was like, eh, I don't know if I can actually back them because I just don't know what's going on there. But with Malik Williams back, they look much better. They should be able to handle North Carolina in the front court. It should be a really, really good game. And they, again, like you said, 
double digits is too many points. I'm going to go to the Atlantic Sun tonight. I'm going to go Liberty Central Arkansas at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. I'm going to go under 150 and a half points. So Liberty uh, is shooting the absolute lights out this season. They're fourth in the country, shooting over 40% from three-point range, almost 44% in conference play. So, And they take threes at the fourth highest rate in the nation. So I'm not sure if that's ever been done in college basketball or a team shooting that many threes and hitting them at that high of a rate. But it's really that those type of numbers for an entire season aren't legitimately not really that sustainable, even though they are playing in somewhat of a weaker conference. Uh, Central Arkansas, actually a decent three-point defense. They only allow 33% in conference play. Uh, Liberty's also near the bottom in turnover percentage on an offensive rebounding percentage. They're just truly reliant on three-point shooting, and they play a really, really slow pace, 297th in the country in adjusted tempo. Central Arkansas, they love to play fast. They have a really high tempo uh, but really, really inefficient offense. They are one of the highest teams in terms of percentage of their possessions coming in transition, but they're in the bottom 5% of college basketball in uh, points per possession and transition offense, while Liberty is one of the better teams in the A in the A Sun and transition defense. So really, really bad match for, for Central Arkansas, who also is shooting under 30% from behind the arc and is going up against the number one re, uh, defensive rebounding team in the conference. So uh, if Liberty gets out to a big lead, I'm sure they'll be able to control the possession here, which they should get out to a big lead because they're double-digit favorites on the road. So uh, I, I like under 150, 150 and a half points tonight uh, in Central yeah, Arkansas. Liberty plays pack, pack line defense and Central Arkansas can't shoot, which is will work in your favor. And if you haven't seen Liberty play, they're, they're going to have a really good chance of getting into the tournament again and winning the A-Sun. Darius McGee is just a flamethrower. Um, yep. He's what he can go for. He can go for 50 uh, on any given night in that conference. I think he scored 48 earlier this year. He gets Florida Gulf coast and 40 a couple times, but he can just get hot and you can't stop him. Um, but I think blowout will also work in your favor. Um, so don't mind that there. Cause yeah, this is a tough ask for central Arkansas. It's just a terrible matchup because they can't shoot. They want to get out and run and uh, it's just a bad basketball team anyway. Uh, Mike, any thoughts on either of those two, if you have them, and then where are you looking tonight? I do like the under there. I think I'm going to to tell you on that one. I'm also looking at an under here in the WAC game of the year. you got New Mexico State traveling up to Seattle to play the Red Hawks. It's pretty simple. The Red Hawks are 12-2 and in conference play. In their 12 wins, they felt opponents to 64 points per game. And to me, that's something that's sustainable because they do it a little bit with pace, but mainly their half-court defense by mid-major standards, is elite. They rank 39th in opponents' effective field goal percentage. They're 30th in turnovers forced per game, uh, almost 16 in that department. They're a decent rebounding team, and it's all translated when they're at home. Under has paid out 12 of the 16 games. So a 75% hit rate on under. I'm not going to overcomplicate this. I like Seattle a little bit in this game, but I think at the very least on their home floor, they're going to If they're going to lose, they're going to lose it their way, and they're going to try to play this game in the high 60s, low 70s max because New Mexico State wants it to be higher scoring, and it all goes through Teddy Allen. The last time these teams played, he scored 33, 11 rebounds. He got to the line 13 times, 13 foul shots for him. He scored 24 more in six of the last 10. He's the entire offensive engine. I'm going to bank on Seattle putting together a decent plan to try to neutralize him a little bit, and if they're able to accomplish that, I think – this is kind of a gift. I think this is inflated by close to four, four and a half points. So 143 and a half, I'm on under here in this whack, this critical whack matchup. Yeah, it's uh, going to be a, a really fun perimeter matchup with Allen Rice. And then the Seattle has a really good, really good 
set of guards, Trammell and uh, Grigsby and Tyson. I, I, I like I like that team. This is they're gonna have a shot. They're gonna have a shot in the WAC. The WAC tournament should be good, um, and that should be a good one up in Seattle. Well, we do have some swaction to talk about. Swaction. Can we get serious now? Serious now. Serious now. I got to throw it to the swaction king, Mike. Anything in the swaction that we should, that you're going to be streaming on Facebook this week or I mean, anywhere to look? Whenever there's a big game going on in the state capital of Florida, I'm on it. So let's let's start with the Rattlers taking on Alabama A&M. A&M is absolutely awful, particularly on the road. I think they're three and fourteen straight up on the road this year. They're six point favorite, but instead of potentially getting my heart broken again by the Rattlers winning but not covering on their home floor. I'm going to go ahead and pair them up with Texas Southern. They're minus nine. I'm going to play the money line on both. Comes out to about minus 140 when you parlay them together. They're playing an Arkansas Pine Bluff team that respect to Mississippi Valley State. They're the second worst team in the SWAC, which puts them you know, in the bottom 15 of all of college basketball. So I'm pretty confident in both these teams. They've proven throughout the course of the conference season, at least that A&M, uh, Florida A&M, that is, is a very solid team, particularly on their home court. And then Texas Southern, they're st- they're not they're out of the running to win the regular season, but I still think you know seeding is going to matter in an 18 tournament in the SWAC. So this one is important to them. I won't mess around with the points. Put it together, minus 140. That's my SWAC play of the night. Uh, BJ, are you going to back your Delta Devils as a home dog? Uh. No, I don't really like the spot for them. Instead, I'm going to go for a game you don't have to find on Facebook. It's actually going to be on ESPNU at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Alabama State and Bethune-Cookman. Uh, I'm going to go over 134 points. Uh, these two met earlier in the season. Alabama State won uh, 79 to 73. Bethune-Cookman was out. with uh, Actually, Alabama State was without their, their starting center for that game as well. Both these teams are actually shooting the ball pretty well from deep in conference play, both over 33%. Uh, neither is really that great of a defense. Alabama State plays a very, very fast tempo, and I believe they're no, they're a two-point underdog here. So uh, it, I think it's a good spot for two teams that are shooting the ball well. Pace should be pretty good. Uh, I think the total is a tad bit low. So how about over 134 points on ESPNU, ESPNU at 9 p.m. Eastern tonight? Can we get can we get you one more Midwest pronunciation of the school with the initials BC from you? Bethune Cookman. Okay, that's. Uh, what I, th- did I, say I thought earlier? you said like Beth Bethune. I don't know what you were saying. No, yeah, it's like Bethune Cookman. That's a, that's um, more of a Minnesota accent right there. Um. Okay. Well, I didn't. I didn't even know there was swag shit on TV. So I'm glad that uh, we got a takeout there for it. Yeah, we're we're, we're gonna th- we're gonna throw a good shout out to Joe French too on Bethune Cookman. He is somebody not quite at that Liberty McGee level going for 50, but he could go for 30 in this game. He's been pretty hot the last couple of weeks. So I, I'd be more than happy to throw it. And a great name too, Joe French. That's that's somebody I want to pull for. So hopefully he, he does it big on ESPNU. All right. Um, let's move on to Tuesday and talk a spot or two, if you want to mention it, that you have circled. Mike, I'll start with you. I'm interested, and it's going to depend on the number, but certainly a game I'm going to watch very closely. Nova going up to UConn. This Nova team interests me because, you know, they dealt with injuries, then they play that great game against Providence, then they sleepwalk through a performance against Georgetown. Don't cover that number. This, to me, obviously, Nova, I think, is a little bit more secure in probably that three line, according to Bracket Matrix, and I don't think this game is, is going to play a huge, have a huge impact on their seeding moving forward. But UConn, this is kind of the 
They can go in one or two directions. They could be a six or a seven. You win this game, you get some momentum going into the Big East tournament. I think they could play their way all the way up to a four seed. And I really like them because I think their offensive rebounding acumen and the bodies they can throw, it's almost like hockey line changes. They have so many bouncy, you know, six, six to six, nine forwards that can really hurt you on the glass that they're just a special team in that regard. And for that reason, I want to see them win a game like this, win it convincingly going away. So depending on the number, I think if it's if it's more than three or four of them given points, I'm going to probably pass. But anything less than that, I'm going to be on the Huskies in this one. And I, I last time I, I had some faith in them, ended up paying off. So I'm going to stick with them. I could have some success inside here against Nova. Looking forward to that one. BJ, what do you got circled or looking at for Tuesday? Uh, I'm going to go Rhode Island on the road at St. Bonaventure. Look, I don't know if regression's even going to come by the end of the season for Rhode Island, but I'm hoping it at least comes here because they are so overdue. They obviously have the talent. They just have, for whatever reason, they've just been shooting the ball horribly in conference play. Even if you look at, you know, Ken Palm, they're 233rd in offensive efficiency, but on shot quality, they're 155th. So that just tells you that it should be getting some type of regression back that, you know, overall for the season, their numbers are right. 35% from behind the arc, 50% from in, from inside, but they just can't make a free throw to save their life. They're shooting 57% in conference play, which is almost impossible, but they are shooting 62% uh, on shot attempts at the rim. And that's where most of their uh, attempts come from. While St. Bonaventure is allowing around 60% at the rim. The Rams have an elite defense, though. 96th percentile against spot-up shooting, top 20% in points per possession allowed in both half-court and transition defense. They're amazing defending inside. 11th in the country in two-point field goal percentage. Sixth in field goal percentage allowed at the rim. St. Bonaventure, really, really low three-point rate. 318th in the country, uh, and 40% of their field goal attempts come at the rim. So it's going to be really hard for the Bonnies to have really score efficiently against this Rhode Island defense. And Rhode Island's desperate. They've lost... Eight of their last nine games while St. Bonaventure is on a four-game win streak. So you're probably getting the bottom of the market here for Rhode Island, especially coming off a horrible loss to George Washington this weekend. So Ken Palm has us at St. Bonaventure minus seven. I would love the Rams at plus seven, but I'll probably end up playing them down to plus five and a half. You'll be on your own on that one. I can't get involved. I don't, I don't know who Bonnie's is. I, I was like, they're, I like this team coming to the air and I was trying to back them in certain spots. And then I, I'm like, they're done. They have no depth. How are they going to rally? And now they're r- rolling. Um, so now if I jump back in on Bonnie's, then it'll be, I, I just can't win either way. I can't, it's a team. I can't figure it out. Maybe they're back. Maybe Bonnie's is back and maybe they're worth now. It's an interesting team. We'll talk about this once we get closer to the conference tournament. It's an interesting team in that. All right. They're not in the at large discussion, but coming into the year, this is a team that some people thought was a top 25 team, like shoe in for an at large. The pro, like so, and now they're start. You're starting to see signs from Bonnie's. It's like, all right, maybe they're an intriguing team in the A10 tournament. The problem is they have zero depth. They they don't play any bench. Yeah. So like winning, you know, four games in four days, it's going to be tough for a team like that. Uh, Mike, before I go to my spot Tuesday, A10 thoughts on Bonnie's, or do you have any yeah, takes on them? So, so I'm totally with you. Where I was buying them heavily preseason, then I basically sold off. I tried to put them in the graveyard. And I'm just not buying this five-game winning streak. Three of those five, it's against Fordham, UMass, and Duquesne. I, I don't care. They, they went back-to-back with the scheduling quirk playing against SLU. You know, those are some nice wins. But the other three, like, if you told me in the preseason, like, would this move the needle for you? Absolutely yeah. not. Those are teams that they should beat without breaking a sweat. So I, I, I'm with you. And I think the, the depth thing is just bizarre because it's just preference of the coach where it's like, yeah. I'm not saying that you need to play 12 deep. 
but like let's throw her out seven or eight minutes to four or five guys on the bench and they just won't do it so between foul trouble and the potential fatigue of four games in four days i i think we're we're aligned on that yep uh the spot i have circled tomorrow i'm gonna i'm maybe getting in front of a unstoppable train here in kent state but i think ball state might have some value especially if you can get double digits at Kent State, this is a Ball State team that I think is better than the record indicates. They live at the free throw line, by the way, and I think that'll keep them in this game because Kent State, very aggressive defense, fouls a lot. I think they're outside the top 300 in foul rate. And they, these two teams played earlier this year, Kent State one by one, and they had their full roster at the time. And, you know, so Ball State has some revenge here. I just, it is such a flat spot. I mean, look at what Kent State has done over the past two weeks, right? Do you have that emotional win at Akron when they um, they try to fight the, the crowd and then almost get in a fight after one of the best games I've watched all season. Then, you know, they up they go to Toledo and upset Toledo at a stunner, and then they absolutely blast Ohio. So back, I mean, just that week and a half, it's hard to sustain that level of play, focus, and intensity. So, and if you look at what their, their, their upcoming schedule is very easy, and they're, they're in the running now to win the outright Mac regular season title, depending on what Toledo and Ohio does. So I think that Kent State probably to exhales here, comes out a little lackadaisical, lack of focus. They'll most likely win this game, but I think Ball State could hang. I think Ken Palm has to check the 10 or 11, which I would love to get with Ball State. I think it's a good time to sell Kent State. Uh, so I'll be looking at the Cardinals there. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks as always to Mike and BJ for joining me. Good luck on your wagers tonight and tomorrow. Guys from the Three Man Weave will be back on Wednesday with another episode. And BJ and myself will be back Friday with the weekend college basketball betting preview. And as always, you can catch myself and the guys from the Three Man Weave Saturday mornings, 10.30 a.m. Eastern for big bets on campus live on Twitter. We'll tweet out the link there. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, big bets on campus, wherever you listen to your podcast. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, leave a review, do some giveaways here shortly. Five-star review, they really help us out. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch y'all later. Cheers.